With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to your podcast or mine, where the creative minds behind the mic are interviewed. Now, let's get things started. Here's your host, Sherry. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Your Podcast or Mine. On this episode, I'm speaking with Craig Kringle, uh, the creative mind behind Weird Christmas. So uh, thank you for joining me on the show tonight, Craig. I appreciate it. Thank thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I want to call you Chris so bad because of Kringle. (laughs) (laughs) That happens a lot, actually. I get a lot of emails. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure Kringle isn't really your last name, so that's why I kind of like I did the air, uh, <laughs> yeah. air, yeah. air apostrophes the, around air it. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I still get questions. People ask me, I'm like, is that really your last name? Which always amazes me. <laughs> People actually even take for a second. And they're like, is that really it? Oh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm the third cousin, twice removed. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> so um, why don't you start with a brief description of the podcast? Sure. It started when uh, I have a couple blogs that, and sort of social media things that share strange old vintage Christmas cards. And they, they go year-round, and but really speed up during the winter, of course. And um, But I started to just because of that, get really into a whole lot of uh, old Christmas traditions and history about different cultures and strange ways that our traditions used to be very different. Um, And I would start to share that too. And it just got a lot of people interested and asked me more and more questions, which meant that I had to do more research. And by the time, you know, a few years ago, uh, I had enough background and interest and I decided one night, why don't I try a podcast? And I, I, thought that would also be a good way to get in touch with some writers who I thought would be fun to talk to. And if I could say I had a podcast and it'd be a great excuse to get to talk to all these people. So literally one year, I kind of threw it together at the last minute and all I had was a cheap little like headset microphone. Um, and it sounded really bad <laughs> that first year, but it was fun. And and we talked about um, strange Christmas music, about Christmas history. Uh, I talked to a philosopher who'd written a book um, all about what he called the seven myths of Christmas or things that we do wrong or thing ideas we have about Christmas that are wrong. And it was a blast. And so that first sort of experiment year um, turned into something that really took off the next year. And yeah, so this year and last year, it's been bigger and bigger. And I, I get now occasionally people even ask to be on the show rather than me go trying to hunt people down. So it's really kind of cool. Um, but yeah, but that's what it's all about is odd ways to look at Christmas. Um, we're kind of irreverent, but I certainly don't hate Christmas, which is what sometimes people think um, if I call it weird Christmas. But no, it's it's just really more about the unusual side, um, things that 
most people in the U.S. and the U.K. just don't really know very well about other parts of the world. So even though I present it as weird Christmas, it's not um, totally irreverent. Like we're really trying to talk about other cultures, traditions. Like one of my favorite shows this year was about the Icelandic Yule Lads, um, who it's sort of like instead of one Santa Claus, they have 13. And um, it's a fun tradition. Uh, but it's definitely to U.S. years, it's very weird. So, but yeah, that's yeah, the idea I was of the gonna... show. Yeah, I was going to mention that one. That was one of my favorite shows too. Um, and and if people hadn't heard it, um, there's also the Yule Cat too. That's all also mm-hmm. mentioned. So um, that, <laughs> that I found to be really cool too. But um, <laughs> so is is Weird Christmas a seasonal podcast, or do you do this year round? Um, I've done a couple. At other times, like I, I would do a little Halloween or Thanksgiving thing every now and then. Mainly, it's all been from Thanksgiving to December. But this year, I decided to try something a little different. That I had enough listeners that I wanted to see if I had enough interest to do a year-round show with one a month. Um, but those monthly ones would be uh, through Patreon, uh, just to see if I could get. I mean, do you know what Patreon is? Sometimes some people do, yes. some people don't. Okay, yes, yeah, so, I'm aware so, of it. Yeah. Okay, good. So yeah, Patreon is like a monthly thing. You can pay a, a monthly fee to, to get extra content. Um, so that's my little experiment this year to see if there's enough interest. For $2 a month, you can listen to uh, a podcast every year that, or every month that will have something to do with Christmas, but then also about strange holidays during the year. So like um, for August this year, the first one I did, I actually talked to uh, someone who did uh, who handles National Mustard Day every year and there's a, an actual mustard museum in wisconsin and uh he is a fanatic about mustard and and hosts national mustard day and and there's a parade in his town for national mustard day and all all sorts of things like that so yeah so i, I started to look for the definitely unusual and niche sorts of holidays that i could find but that's yeah. what i'm trying this year but but um uh but the hard part is getting a little bit of christmas stuff in there too every single month so, but yeah, that's what I'm right. trying to find, see how that works. Well, yeah. the the mustard month and the mustard museum sounds interesting. Uh, okay, uh, full disclaimer: I hate mustard, so um, <laughs> you know I, I'm sorry to the, all of the mustard lovers out there. You know, if you feel <laughs> like I'm I'm discriminating against it, but I'm not a big fan. However, it does intrigue me. Uh, my sister lives in Wisconsin, so I'll have to see if she knows where it is. So, so that we could take a look. Yeah, I mean, and you know, they they're the land of like bratwurst. So there you go, mustard and bratwurst. So indeed, indeed. (laughs) Yeah, yum. (laughs) So, what compelled you to start podcasting besides the um, feedback from your listeners? Was broadcasting in uh, your genetics? Had you done it before, or was it something that you? thought that it might be a general like uh progression into um i had listened to a lot and i'd always been fascinated with um radio kind of underground radio uh, my dad i remember bought me a shortwave radio when i was a kid because he was really into it and I'm, i had more fun hunting down just the strangest most you know most unusual niche shows or like news about you know, one part of England, but, but presented out of Thailand or something, you know, and, and on shortwave, you could find all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And, um, 
it was always just a, a huge thrill. So when the internet came around, one thing I started looking for, even, you know, even we're talking like late nineties, I would always hunt down those odd shows that people were just sort of putting out. And of course, all kinds of stuff, you know, popped up with YouTube and all kinds of things like that. But um, I had never really thought about getting into it. Like I was never particularly good at broadcasting um, or, or had gone into broadcasting, but I'd always been, on, you know, written things and had the blog and, and had all sorts of, of just ideas. But then once I tried it, I realized it was pretty fun. And I, I really enjoyed the process of editing and trying to make things sound good. And um, yeah, it just, it, it turned out to be something that I really enjoyed. So I, I have the weird Christmas one, but I, a friend of mine wanted to start another one that we started. I won't plug it here necessarily, but it's beyond niche, um, niche of a niche of a niche kind of thing. Uh, but those, those are the kind of shows that I really like, you know, where, where it's a small group of people who are really committed to some strange idea and, and really work really hard to, to make it as good as they can. So yeah, I've always oh, been fascinated can... by that show, that kind of format, but, um, but I never really thought about being, you know, the guy on the microphone. Yeah, well, you can absolutely plug the the other show that you're on. That, that that's absolutely fine. Oh. I mean, <laughs> if you well, want my, to, if my, you're compelled to later, go ahead. Sure, my partner will. My partner will appreciate it. So uh, it's called Rereading Wolf, and there's a science fiction author named Gene Wolf, uh, who just died recently. Um, but he's incredibly well known by all science fiction writers. And has won like national fantasy awards or, or sorry, grandmaster awards. Um, but he's really hard to read. And so a lot of people haven't. So what we did was we decided we wanted to start uh, a podcast where we just go chapter by chapter through some of his most famous books and just tear them apart. So we'll spend two to three hours on one chapter of one book. Um, and every episode is, is one chapter and just go as deep as we can into every single thing. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, like I said, like I said, niche of a niche. Even casual genius yeah. readers would not want to listen to this show. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how do you find the music that you play um, in the beginning and the end of of the show? That was actually a surprise to me too. So, before I had gotten into sharing the cards, I've always been a big Christmas fan. I like Christmas a whole lot, but I was never super into finding Christmas music. And although I like Christmas music, I was never um, all that, you know, I, I wasn't one of those obsessive people who, you know, listens to it all year long or has to have it on constantly. But then once I started getting into this little subculture of people who truly are Christmas obsessed, Christmas music is probably the biggest part of it. And there are hundreds of people who spend all year hunting down the strangest or most little known piece of Christmas music that they can find, either new or old, and then making Christmas mixes of them when, when it comes around, when Christmas comes around. Um, and there's actually a documentary about that sort of world that's out. Uh, was one of the first people I got to interview by Mitchell Kezen, uh, but the uh, movie's called Jingle Bell Rocks, but what it does is it follows these people who are just obsessed with Christmas music. And finding, you know, good Christmas music or finding the most odd novelty songs you can find. Um, and it's huge. Um, and they know more than I'll ever know about music. I mean, we're talking about guys who literally have rooms filled with nothing but Christmas LPs, you know, um, just insane <laughs> amounts of stuff. Uh, but I've met so many of them now through the show um, that I get fed uh, so much Christmas music that it's it's not hard to find, and and I still occasionally will do a show that's just kind of like a a little clip show 
have some of the best parts. And in fact, I don't know if you remember a show called um, The Annoying Music Show that would show up on NPR every now and then. It was a short little thing that they would kind of do between shows sometimes. But it was this guy who would just hunt down annoying music, like awful, terrible, annoying music. And he'd play little clips of it. And that's what I tried to copy with my show was just to find some strange pieces of Christmas music all around a particular theme and string them together. So there'll be a couple of more of those coming out this year later on too. Um, but no, yeah, it, other it, people it, find it. <laughs> so I, and I, yeah. I follow them and I hunt it down. Yeah. It, it kind of sounds like very Dr. Demento-ish, you know? So mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yep. It definitely <laughs> is. So. That's, yeah. That's he's in that documentary. I, in fact, yeah, yeah. Well, he should be. He's he's the king of all weird music. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so um, you did mention the uh, Patreon. So, uh, what kind of benefits do you offer besides the the extra shows for those who join? The big thing is that I try to send out postcards all year long, like reproductions of some of the actual strange old Victorian postcards, um, since that's still sort of the center of everything I do, just, you know, posting those things on a, they, I queue a ton of them up every year, hundreds, if not thousands, and, um, you know, just get those going all year long. And so I know so many people find me because of that, that that's the big thing I wanted to offer was a chance to get actual, I can't afford the actual cards, but I can reprint them in as good as quality as I possibly can. But send those out all year. Um, I have made little videos and you know the little kinds of normal behind the scenes things that you can get on patreon too and longer versions of the interviews um you know i have to admit i'm by no means a professional interviewer so when i talk to people i usually just um ramble and get to know them a little bit and and we kind of just chat for a while and then i'll go back and cut it all up and make it sound you know good (laughs) later but i in the process of doing that, I leave a lot of stuff out. And so I'll put the full versions of those up on there as well. But I think probably the, uh, the postcards are, are the biggest benefit. I did say, I did say that if someone joined up for a hundred dollars a month, <laughs> that um, I would handle all of their Christmas cards for them. If they just sent me uh, the addresses, but I haven't gotten any takers on that one yet. So um, and I'm, kind of, I'm kind of scared that I will actually get a taker on that because then I'd actually have to do it. And that sounds like it would. Yeah. Insane. And they have a list that's like ridiculous, probably. Exactly. Exactly. And they probably deserve it if they were spending that much money. So, yeah, there's really right, a joke. Right. It just seems fun to put up there in the, uh, the the little promo video you have to make. But, yeah, so now I'm, I keep I, I wonder every now and then, should I take that off? Because I'm afraid somebody might actually do it. And I'm, I don't know what I do. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> That's funny. So um, you just, uh, I recently heard a podcast that you just released uh, regarding flash fiction. So uh, mm-hmm. what was that about? Uh, did you have uh, listeners submit their stories and you chose one or was it a vote that was made or, or what was that process? That was totally last year, me doing something on a whim Um where, yeah, I said, you know, it'd be great to have a show just of short fiction because I was looking for myself, and there are short story collections out there um, of Christmas-themed, um, you know, stories in different ways. But I, I hadn't found a whole lot of flash fiction, especially not stuff that wasn't super sentimental or sappy. And I kind of did this because I was like, you know, I want to read something, and, uh, you know, I want to read fiction like I want to read that's strange and that, that it all may be a little dark. And 
figured, well, why not make my own? So I just put together a little contest and got my wife to agree to let me have 75 bucks <laughs> to give for $50 for first place and 25 for second. And I put it out on the web and put it in a handful of um, writing contest sites, just submitted it to various places. And it went further than I thought it would. In the first year, I got over 200 entries and you know a ton of them were really, really good. I mean, way better than I thought I did. When I did it, I thought, okay, maybe I'll get five things that are, are really good. And, you know, just to keep the show under an hour, I ended up only using 14 stories, but I still had a ton that I thought would be good. So this year came around and I tried it again. I did the same thing and I figured I'd get a few more, but I got close to 650 entries um, by the time oh everything my gosh. was done. Yeah, because it ended up on on um, a bunch of sort of clearinghouse sort of websites where we're writing contests. And I, one thing when I first started looking into this, I'm like, wow, a lot of these things charge like a dollar or $2 to enter. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. That seems like money grubbing. I kind of see why now, because you get a ton of stuff that someone obviously just, you know, saw the thing and was like, I'll try something. And they didn't even read the, the entry. I mean, not a ton, I shouldn't say a ton, but, but um, still not going to do it next year. But um but yeah, so about 650, which took me a long time to not just read through, but actually decide because I had so much good stuff. I mean, the the first sort of final pool of things, all of which I would have been happy putting on the show, I had like 160 stories. So wow. there's no way I'm doing that. And so I got my wife and two friends and we sat down and read through them all and argued about what should go on. And really in the end, um, the apart from the winners um the rest of the ones that the top two winners the ones that went on the show we were really sort of you know lucky enough to have a situation where we could pick for variety instead of just you know well which ones are actually good um you know we had the tons that were actually good so yeah it was great um you know i had to turn down some things this year that might have won last year um it was amazing so i am thrilled so the second one yeah it just went up um or it's up now. It will be up by the time anyone hears this. Um, and this one has 14, actually 15 um, stories, all short, 350 words or less, but everything from horror to strange to, uh, you know, what, what actually, I guess, gets called weird fiction, little science fiction thrown in there, but basically anything about Christmas that goes in some direction you don't expect. And it's, it's honestly been my favorite thing to do these last two years, um, way better than me. Cause I'm not writing it. <laughs> so it's, you know, all sorts of actually talented people who are writing stories uh, about Christmas, everything from, I'm trying to think a way to give, to tell things, tell what they are without giving them away. But there's like evil Santa stories. There's tons of evil Santa stories. Um, there are stories, uh, the ones that I like are that take something traditional about Christmas and redo it in a way that's completely unrecognizable. Um, those are really fun. One of the stories that won this year is taking a very traditional Christmas story and um, turning it into something really disturbing. Um, so those are those are fun as well. But yeah, um, like I said, horror, science fiction, fantasy, everything about Christmas. But it's it's one of my favorite things, and definitely the show that gets the most listens uh, was last year, and I bet it will this year too. So I was going to say, I said cool. 15. yeah, it's amazing. And the, I said 15, cause there was one story that I did add at the last minute because someone who's teaching at an international school in Japan sent me an email and said they'd stumbled on to the contest. And 
a uh, he teaches a, it's an English for foreign language students. I mean, obviously um, he's in Japan, but it's uh, he was trying to think of something that would you know at least motivate his students to get a little bit involved in their homework, and he ended up giving this to him. And they started turning in some really creative stories, and he got in touch with me, and he's like, hey, could you just mention me on your site? You know, not even on the show, but just on your site, because maybe that'll motivate everybody to, to get things done. And I figured, sure, and it was time, almost time for the website or for the contest deadline to be up. So I just wrote a quick little blog post just about, hey, you guys have extra time. But then he sent it to me, and I ended up choosing one of those stories to read sort of like the winner of their class. And I figured, you know, that's the least I can do, especially since the stories were actually pretty good. I mean, crazy weird in some cases, partly because you're translating cultures and language at the same time. Um, but I thought that was pretty cool. You know, this random little thing that I did on a whim is out there, you know, halfway around the world and in somebody's English class. And you've now got these, you know, young high school students all writing weird Christmas stories. Um, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a, a take of Christmas uh, a la Twilight Zone or The Outer Limits yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Yep. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> so how do you uh, record and edit your episodes? What type of equipment do you use or what type of software programs or anything like that do you uh, use to create the show? Yeah, I... I... I play fingerstyle guitar, so I really use my stuff that's made for guitar recording. Um, I have a pretty good quality um, Zoom portable microphone, and I just use that now. Uh, it works just as well. I've, I've played around with uh, a friend's really expensive stuff, and I'll be honest, I couldn't tell the difference, especially not once I have to mix things together. <laughs> so I, I figured I'll just stick with what I got. But um, uh, I have that and then just a small soundboard, and then I use Mixcraft. I use Acoustica Mixcraft. So I'm on a PC, but I know how to use Mixcraft, and so it's um, the easiest thing for me to do to get everything together. But, yeah, I haven't actually spent a whole lot of money on it. I could get into the super geek side, but um, – I figure I'm spending enough money right now on hosting the site and, and doing all that. And I still have kids. So <laughs> once yeah. they move out of the house, then maybe I can, maybe I can upgrade the studio a little bit, but not till then. Yeah. And you have to feed, feed yourself and your family and all that too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I got put yeah. clothes on their backs and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I get it. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this episode's releasing on the 18th of December. So how often are you releasing uh, your episodes? Is it once or twice a week or is it? Um... I try to do two a week during December and this, that's more than I've done in the past. Um, in the past, it's been just kind of what I could get to at that time, but I actually planned ahead this year. <laughs> so, so, um, far enough in advance, like from, from last January on, I've got things planned. So everything's pretty well done and in the can and ready to go. So yeah, two, two episodes a week. And then, like I said, after, after Christmas or after new year's, actually, then after new year's, we'll, we'll see, what Patreon does and, and we'll see how that goes. And if the experiment goes well, then I'll keep doing one a month. And otherwise the ones during December um, from Thanksgiving to Christmas will always be nice and free and available for everyone two a week. And are there specific days or, or are they just, I try no. to do Monday and Friday, but I usually uh -huh. don't make that. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so, 
whenever it can, whenever it gets out, Tuesday, Saturday, whatever, Wednesday, yep. Sunday, yep. whatever. <laughs> yeah, so. yep. I bank on the idea that most people with podcasts don't listen to them the minute they come out. <laughs> so, so that's, that's where, that's what I tell myself at least. <laughs> so that I can really yeah, a lot of them you know, are when they're are, finally ready. Uh, demand and, and ready. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so how would you say that podcasting has improved or changed your life? Uh, I think getting in touch with people who do have those very niche um, interests. Um, you know, I've been using that word a lot, but I, I do think that's important that you can find people who are really into something uh, that doesn't have a huge audience. And then to find out that there actually is media about it, um, or just to be able to get in touch with other people who follow that same thing. So like with uh, that other, the second podcast I mentioned, like the Gene Wolf podcast, it's fun because when, uh, my partner and I who do that when put it out, we've been able to get in touch with so many fans who will tell us, you know, Oh, we've, you know, I've been reading them forever, but I haven't found anyone who really talks about it in the way that I want to. And so I can listen to this and I can come on the Facebook page and we can chat now. And it's it, the fun part of it really is that little community that grows up around it. Um, and, you know, that's something you can only really do with, I feel like, like smaller shows, you know, if it got really big, then, then I don't know what to do. This is the first year with the weird Christmas thing that it's so popular that I literally don't have time to respond to, you know, everybody who comments on a card on, on Twitter or Tumblr or something like that. Whereas in the past, it's still been manageable, but as it gets bigger, it's fun. It's great, but it's also a little frustrating that I feel like I'm, you know, I don't want to feel like, you know, somebody way behind the scenes just kind of making stuff. I, it's more fun when people will get in touch with me after a show and be like, oh, I like that. Or send me an email and, and hear one of the stories and say, hey, can you put me in touch with the person who wrote that? Because I've got a collection I think would be really great. You know, to be able to have those those connections is much more fun to me. So so that's one thing that I really like about podcasting is you can put together a show that's listenable and that you know, is well done and organized, um, but still be part of a small group um, that's focused on a, you know, on a common interest that everybody shares. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And, and the Christmas community is very, very, um, I don't want to say, well, I, I think they're a, a close knit group of people who are, you know, crazy about Christmas and there, mm-hmm. you know, there are like hundreds of, of people and you recently had a guest who went to a Christmas convention too. I didn't even mm-hmm. know those things yep. existed. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And there is a, there, you know, you mentioned that there's a small group of Christmas podcasts that all came out. Oh, not all of them, but a majority of them started between three and four years ago, oddly enough, for whatever reason, I'm not really sure. But um, we all kind of know each other, and so we'll help out with each other's shows and promote things. And there actually is a page called the Christmas Podcast Network where you can go. That's kind of like a clearinghouse of as many different you know, Christmas podcast shows that we can find. And um, we try to upload the latest episodes on there. So, so if you want to you know, get in touch with someone or if you like one person's show, you can find out you know, what's similar that's out there. Um, but yeah, so, so there's that side and that's just the podcasters. But like I said too, then there's that group of the community of people who like Christmas music and, you know, are sharing their, their annual mixes with everybody every year. And that's just a, a fun group of people who all share, you know, a very weird, uh, obsession 
just finding that unusual Christmas music, but they've got their community and they, they know each other and support each other and are like, Oh, I found some Hawaiian Christmas music record I've never seen before. Oh, I know that Mitchell likes that. So I'm going to send that over to him and, you know, stuff like that all the time. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty neat. And, and communities like that are very supportive of, of one another too. Podcasting mm-hmm. as a whole is, is pretty supportive, but the, even like, like you said, the niche groups are even like stronger and they're, they're really mm-hmm. tight. So, <laughs> yeah. so what, what would you say is the most challenging part about uh, podcasting? Uh, the time, just the time that it takes to actually do it. Well, uh, I feel like, like I get, I probably worry about little tiny things that don't matter uh, too much, <laughs> but, um, but the time that it takes to, and especially since, like I, like I mentioned, having a family and, you know, there's a lot of late nights where, you know, I'll be worrying, trying to get, you know, sound to work. Like with the, the story podcast, it took me a ton of extra time because I had the authors of the stories read them and send it to me. Well, of course, everyone's going to have it on, you know, different media and different microphones or cell phone or whatever. And so trying to equalize all that so that it's listenable, that takes time. And so, you know, even once I have all the pieces together, I can't just slop it and put it out there or else I'm not going to be happy with it. So, um, so the time it takes to do that after the kids are in bed and after I've actually spent time with my wife and, you know, worked <laughs> all that kind of yeah. stuff, that's, that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. yeah. So uh, besides the Christmas uh, podcast network, are there any other resources that have helped you along the way? Um. That's the big one. Um, there are various, you know, groups, Facebook and Reddit have a ton of podcast groups that are great to go help out if you have a specific question. Um, and, and I feel like now there's so many of those kinds of things that you can easily find um, another community of people who are helpful. And already it's so easy just to walk into one and be like, hey, I have a new podcast. I've got like maybe five episodes. Can somebody listen and tell me what you think? And just say that, and immediately people will have listened to everything and be giving you feedback, but also you'll find people who want to hear more. So, yeah, I would say, you know, use social media. Just jump right in and don't be afraid and say you're making something, and people will give you helpful criticism all over the place. I've gotten a ton just from doing things like that. Mm-hmm. So is there anything that you wish you had known when you started out? Hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going to say no. I think a lot of it you learn over time. And so messing up and trying things again is good. But I guess the one thing that I really do like about this is that failing and making mistakes doesn't have big drawback, I guess. Like it's so easy to, if you mess up an episode and nobody likes it, take it down, put it back up there. Right. I mean, if nobody's paying for it, then you're not really beholden to anyone and they can't cancel your contract. You just, you make a better one next time. And uh, that kind of freedom to to make mistakes or to have really bad ones, but to do something better, you know, people aren't going to go back and say, hey, that episode you did 17 episodes ago, that was terrible. And so therefore I'm going to listen. I'm not going to listen anymore. I mean, that just doesn't happen. You know, so people are much more forgiving and um, uh, open to see what new things you're going to try. So um, yeah, I feel like it's uh, the mistakes I made have been fine. I learned from them. So. I'm oh yeah, stick, exactly. Stick I mean, I remember, you know, a couple of my first episodes, I I went in like a belly flop, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it oh, was yeah. like, and 
and uh, you know you learn from it, and you learn uh, how every episode that you do, you learn to edit better, you learn to uh, ask questions better, you learn to you know do everything better. So as it goes yeah. on, it you know increasingly gets better. I I think for the most part, everyone has a an episode in there. Uh, catalog that they're not too like proud of, but you know mm-hmm. it's still there because <laughs> yeah. they're not going to remove it because they spent all the time, you know, working on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, oh well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, are there any podcasts that you listen to regularly that are maybe not in the the same niche as you? Um. I, a couple that I really like. Um, Linoleum Knife uh, is a movie review podcast. You know, I say that although I just had one of the hosts on my show, so that's one reason why he's there. But but Linoleum Knife is definitely one um, that uh, I think that, that Alonzo Giralde and his husband just do a great job of, of having good casual conversations about movies, but also still have really, really good insights um, to things. Uh, if I had to recommend one Christmas podcast, I know you said not in my niche, but uh, if there was one that I'd recommend, um, there, are t- so, there are so many good ones that we have to, but I think a great place to start is one called Christmas Past. Um, just probably, uh, it has the benefit of a sort of starter Christmas podcast because it's short, <laughs> but it's also super well produced. Uh, Brian Earl, the guy who makes it, does a great job of mixing a little nostalgia with really interesting Christmas history in there. Um, and shoot, I'm trying to think of the name, uh, of the other one there. There's a whole, um, group called Clay Temple Media that does a whole bunch of podcasts all about science fiction, fantasy, horror, and weird writers. Uh, they do one about Gene Wolfe, just the Gene Wolfe literary podcast that I'd really recommend, but they also, um, have stuff about all kinds of different writers and, and genre shows, but just really intelligent, um, stuff. I mean, they're, they're both academics. I don't know if they're out of grad school yet or, or close to it, but so definitely with a kind of, you know, intellectuals approach to that stuff, but it's, but it's all really well done. So you could just look up Clay Temple Media. There are a ton of shows that they, those guys put out that are really good. So is there any advice that you'd give to someone wanting to podcast or who had an interest in it? Um, play around with an editor, see what you can do, um, and find a variety of ways to record things. That's what I would say. And, and experiment. I think that experimenting with the sound is probably the best thing that you can do. Cause you do hear a lot of podcasts that when they start, it's all, you know, the quality is just weird or the levels are all off. Um, and that the trick about sound, I'm sure other people have said this too, but when we watch a video, we can be forgiving about bad video a lot of times and still watch. But if the sound's messed up, we'll immediately switch and turn it off or if it's hard to hear. Um, so when you have a podcast, then you only have sound. And if your sound is frustrating, then they're going to, they're going to immediately change. So experiment. Um, and the only, the one sort of insider tip I would give <laughs> is that the thing that saved my life so many times is having a multi-track recorder when you're talking to other people. And if you can have each of them on a separate track so that they're editable on different tracks, it makes all kinds of things easier in your life. <laughs> so that would be the mm-hmm. other tip I would give. 
<laughs> so, Craig, yeah, I don't know how you and I are find... recording this right now. I don't know if we're if it's all one track or if you got us going to separate tracks. <laughs> so, um, but that that's the one thing that that I try to do all the time now. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, how can people find your podcast on social media or your website, or how can they listen to it? Uh, WeirdChristmas.com is the base for everything, and the podcast is on every app I could think of to make sure that it's out there. If if you ever look for it on your favorite app and you don't find it, let me know. <laughs> uh, weirdxmas at gmail.com. But um, but yeah, weirdchristmas.com, and then I've got links to the show and, and all the various social media things, which are all called Weird Christmas in one way or another, too. <laughs> Great. So in closing, is uh, there anything that I didn't ask that you'd like uh, to talk about, or uh, do you have any closing thoughts on anyone just discovering Weird Christmas? You didn't ask if Santa Claus really did come from a hallucinogenic mushroom, which is the one question <laughs> that everybody seems to want to ask me. Uh, it's the probably the one podcast that has the most watched thing. In fact, I had to go, I had to make a video out of it just because so many people would link to it. So, uh, yeah. That's the that's the one, but I guess you can we'll leave that up. So if anyone wants to know what's the connection between Santa and magic mushrooms, then um, there's an answer out there waiting for you. <laughs> I never really thought. I mean, I see, I I saw it on your website, but I really, <laughs> I really wasn't sure. So <laughs> it was funny. That was the question that more people would ask me or they'd find, um, speaking of podcasts, I think one reason is that Joe Rogan had a little, a piece of that, of a guy who was telling him that Santa Claus came from magic mushrooms and it got out there because of him, I think. And after that, it would, it's a theory that would show up in all kinds of strange places. And it just kind of became sort of part of the strange Christmas lore. So people started asking me, is that true? Or what's that all about? So I definitely had to do a show about that one. <laughs> well, I think everyone should listen to Weird Christmas, especially since um, it's heading up to Christmas. And, uh, you know, who doesn't want to uh, have something offbeat to uh, make them uh, less frustrated with the holiday season? So <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> you being on the show, Craig, and, and talking to me about your show. Well, thanks. I appreciate that you're interested. It's sort of weird to be on the other <laughs> side for once, so. Yeah. No, thank you so much for talking. And thank you to everyone listening to your podcast or mine. We'll chat soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.